0: Welcome to Arvind's People, where I, Arvind, get to talk to some of my favorite people. I'm here today with my friend Scott Brower. Welcome.
1: That's me. I'm Scott. How are you today, Scott? I'm honestly just really happy you remembered my
0: name. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's what happens when you meet somebody. But today we're gonna talk about something that I think you know both you and I are pretty passionate about because it affects us both pretty much on the daily. And that is the school system. So I think I think as a whole, both you and I disagree with many aspects of the system. Would that be correct?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So, I mean, it's just, when you have to go to school every day and you go to a system where everything just, a lot of things just feel wrong, it really hampers your ability to succeed in that area. And I think, you know, I don't want, I don't want to you know say anything mean or anything but I think you suffer from that a little bit more than maybe a lot of other people have would you like to you know elaborate on elaborate on that a little bit
1: Yeah so my personal story with the school system is that um basically I have ADHD but it went undiagnosed and untreated for a very long time until about a year ago but I, it really started taking effect over my schoolwork and like my academic performance at the beginning of middle school, um, especially when homework was being assigned compared to elementary school when I had straight A's. Now I had to take school with me back home and that was just not really an option because ADHD is inhibits your executive functionality and as much as you might want to, it's incredibly difficult to make yourself do some task, like homework, for example. So, I mean, I was always a smart kid. I was in gifted. Um, don't mean to sound too narcissistic there.
0: Right? No, I, 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 you being my friend, I definitely know that you're, you're a very intelligent person. So you're not doing homework is not a sign of bad intelligence, which is something that we're going to talk about later. And, um, a little preface to this discussion. It we're, We both don't just think that school is just bad because school is not bad, everyone needs to go to school, but it's, this is just from the perspective of two students who think that it could be better. Uh, yeah.
1: I think so, school is good. Like it's you know it's incredibly important, as you said, but it just could be improved in plenty of ways and just its structure overall. Um, could be more supportive for its students as we're about to talk about.
0: Right. And I, you mentioned you're now you have to take school home with you. So it's as if you have to go to school for school and then you also have to be at school at home, which is where you usually relax. And according to a poll um, in an essay, according to an essay by Morrissey Compton, a poll at UCLA, which is the University in California, showed that 41% of students were feeling overwhelmed by everything they had to do, which was a rise from 18% in 1985 now this is a university however i think that this trend is is really similar to something that goes on in high school and a lot of high school students are experiencing just by you know not even by a study just by word of mouth that you know you go around everyone just feels overwhelmed especially at the end of the year there's a lot of testing but even recently from from the period of 2011 2016 a survey by the national college health association showed an increase of students in general Saying they were they had overwhelming anxiety, uh, and that percentage increased from fifty percent to sixty-two percent. So a twelve percent increase in just a span of five years. Now, some people may say, "Well, that's just how school is. That's just how school works all over the world." But that's not true, because if you compare the United States to other countries, a study done at Yale showed that twenty-five percent of students between the ages of thirteen and seventeen would qualify for anxiety disorder in the United States, while In Australia, only 7% of the teens in the same age range will qualify. So I think that shows you that this problem is, is not a worldwide problem. It's limited to the way that United States does things. So one thing that both you and you and I kind of disagree on this topic a little bit is the start time of school. So I personally, I think that the start time of school is fine the way it is. I think 745, you could maybe make an argument for like eight o'clock. But if you were to have the same, but obviously you, you think a little bit differently than me, right?
1: Uh, yes, I'd say that's correct. I think a start later in the day has been proven to be more successful in plenty of school systems.
0: Right, and you know, my, I, I, obviously I understand both sides of the argument, but um, my, my side of the argument would be that if students are staying up till you know, 12, one, two, three o'clock with this start time, then they, if you were to start it, let's say like an hour, an hour and a half later, then students would still stay up till one, two, three, four, but they would just stay up one hour later because they know the school starts one hour later. Um, and I mean, that's just what I think. What, what would be your argument for starting it later?
1: Um, well, you know, our bodies have our circadian rhythms, so they would not necessarily adapt one-to-one To, you know, oh, if we can wake up an hour later, then we can stay up an hour later, too. That's not always the case, especially with night. Um, You know, it gets dark out, you naturally get sleepier. So I don't necessarily think that's the case. But, I mean, it's pretty constant that start time of school is a big factor of anxiety in students. And lack of sleep is just absolutely detrimental to mental health especially for students when, you know, you have to wake up at 645 or 730 at the latest to go to school.
0: Right. And, you know, when you wake up, I understand, you know, when you wake up early, you're, you're not at, you're not as functional as when you're, when you get a good night's sleep. And that can really impact the way that you learn things. But I think the main thing that impacts the way that students are learning is the way that the things are just essentially the way that they're taught in school. And, the main, the main point that you and I want to discuss is the concept of homework. Now, I think that, you know, homework isn't necessarily all a bad thing, but I think that the way that it's implemented in our school is not the greatest. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. uh, This is purely anecdotal because I can't speak about other schools or other school systems. Right. Um, But Blue Valley, in my experience, you know, As a student, I had always gotten great test scores, like all throughout middle school and even up to high school. I always get great test scores, but you know, when I don't do that homework, some classes have homework weighted 20% of your grade. So you can get like, say you have like a 90% average on tests, but you don't do homework like me, then you're getting like a C at best. And so that's not always supportive. And as well in that case, um homework as a whole, just the concept of taking school with you and this also goes along with um, start times as well, is kids have lives at home like plenty of high schoolers especially have jobs you know they have friends they want to talk to they have you know personal hobbies that they should have the right to follow. So when you have seven classes that are assigning you like at best 30 minutes of homework, you know with block days, you have, four classes, some days, three classes, the others, but you're always getting assigned homework. Um, Then you have to do that homework at home. And then that's going to take up some of your time that you might've otherwise spent, you know, either sleeping or hanging out with friends, or you might have to give up your job.
0: Right. I, I definitely agree that sometimes teachers don't understand. You know, one thing that really frustrates me is when teachers don't understand how long it does take to do the homework that they do assign, because... As an example, um, one of my classes will assign notes that sometimes end up being five, six, seven pages long and just take forever. And then by the time I'm done, I'm, I'm too tired to want to do anything else or I have to go to soccer practice or I, I have to do another homework assignment. So I don't have any time to do something that I want to do. And when that same teacher is just assigning that kind of homework over and over again, when it just, it it makes me think that they don't understand how long it takes to do those notes because, or do that assignment because they already know the subject. So for them, it could probably take, if it takes them maybe like 30 minutes, it could take a student like an hour or an hour and a half, depending on the assignment. I think that's what a lot of teachers don't understand. And yeah. Um,
1: there's a lot of, especially, I totally agree, you know, teachers don't necessarily realize that students have so many other responsibilities um, including other classes and I think that's also a result of teachers not necessarily I know it's a big thing to ask but collaborating with each other um, you know like organizing how long homework should take that's not always going to be feasible I know but I feel like more respect could be given in just to the amount of time it would take to complete a class's assignments out of class
0: right and i think especially this year with virtual it feels like the teachers think oh they're at home more and this may this may not be completely true but it does feel like this as a student where the teachers think oh they have more resources they're at home therefore we can give we should have more expectations for the amount of homework that they should complete when it's not those expectations are not proportional to the amount of resources that we have at the moment at home. And just, it feels, it it just feels like the teachers don't understand that, like you said, the students have other lives, but also that if their homework assignment takes an hour, then what if every teacher's homework assignment took an hour, then that's seven classes. So then that's seven hours. And that's just ridiculous. Um, one thing on, when we're on the topic of teachers is having a bad teacher now i'm not gonna say every teacher is bad but i have had my fair share of teachers that have just been absolutely horrible like i've had i just could not rely on them at all to teach me the topic and it gets really stressful because then you have to take a test you'd be worried about learning like do you know the stuff for the test that's coming up because they didn't teach it to you or they didn't teach it to you very well and It makes me think that like how do these people or how are these people even allowed to become teachers where they're teaching they're 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 teaching the future of the country and it's just they're just allowed to just do nothing all day is what it feels like. Um have you had any similar experiences like that?
1: Yes. Um I will say Blue Valley as a whole is known for being one of the best school districts, not only in the state of kansas but also in the entire country so i've i hear plenty from our administration that you know we're incredibly lucky to have so many good teachers and i do think that i've had more quality caring teachers and i've had dismissive teachers that you can't rely on i definitely agree i but um there are teachers who aren't necessarily they don't conform to their students. And it's it can best be described as like this stubbornness to teach things the way they want to teach it. So you can have teachers that, you know, will give you an hour of homework guaranteed every time they see you in class. Um, And I've also had plenty of teachers who don't communicate well outside of class. And uh, many of those similar teachers who are apprehensive at fixing grades and such and there's not a lot of discussion to be had there so it's frustrating i think more reform could be used to it's such a it's a much broader thing than just blue valley but more form could be used to improve the quality of our education and our teachers
0: you mentioned one thing there that i want to talk about a little bit and that's stubbornness to adjust grades and yeah. i think that's one thing that i've never understood that you know, if you, if you, um, turn something in late or, uh, you get a bad grade on something, they don't allow you to get credit by doing it again. And I never understood that because that, because if you, let's say as an example, you are a test or a different story, but like on an assignment, you don't do it. Now I'm not saying that if you do it again later, you shouldn't get any credit or you, you should get full credit. Cause I don't think you should get full credit, but I've had many teachers that don't allow you to turn it at all, which just seems counterproductive because that means you don't learn what that assignment is is supposed to cover.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I think the most important thing you should be worrying about as a teacher is whether or not your students learn the class material. So you should do everything in your power to support your students and make sure that you know not only that they learn it but also that, you facilitate that process for them and you can make them have fun with it. That's not required, but I'm promise you that, you know, everybody's going to like you a lot more and more people will take your class and therefore more people will learn your material. So when teachers do things that are again, counterproductive to learning the material, it's, it's mind boggling. It's dense and it makes no sense. And there's, it's just frustrating to so many students and it, can't really be fixed all the time
0: as a student it does definitely feel like sometimes rather than making sure the students are understanding the concepts they just they want to get through the concepts and get through the curriculum to say that oh yeah we finished the curriculum it wasn't our fault the students didn't learn it or yeah it's the students fault because they didn't pick up on it or they weren't paying attention in class because when you in a class when you're when you don't let's say you don't understand a unit in like math and that unit needs to be learned to be able to work on the next unit well if you don't know the first unit then how are you going to how are you going to um, you know learn the next unit or even say focus during the next unit because if you if you don't understand what happened in the first unit and you need to know it for the second unit then you're not even going to pay attention because you're not you don't know what's going on and when you don't understand something you kind of zone out you don't really pay attention you get behind and then eventually it just becomes impossible to catch up. And I know that, you know, you had some experience with, with having to catch up on being behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so
1: at the beginning of the pandemic, um, it was the very start of fourth quarter our or my sophomore year in 2020. Um, they made the decision that your grades from third quarter could not drop. Um, they could only be raised. And so, Um, This was when, you know, my mental state was not the healthiest at the time. So honestly, while I was at home, I really just ran away from school. The whole, like the new schedules that they changed every few weeks were so frustrating. And it was just very difficult to be able to actually learn the materials and, you know, organize myself for every class that I had. So I just didn't go to school. And eventually it came to a point where everybody was yelling. I mean, like teachers were calling my parents, like actually calling my parents, not even an email. And you know, my parents would yell at me every week (laughs) because I just didn't do homework. And yeah, that's, there is some fault of mine in that, but I don't know, it's just, it, it was really just weighing on me so heavily and it caused so much anxiety and eventually depression and it was rough, and I didn't enjoy it at all.
0: Right, and I think for, if you're a parent, then the first thing that you want to do when your student is skipping school is, you know, scold them for it, and for for some people, that doesn't work. Like, there's this, there's been an argument, like, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, which one is better, and Uh, obviously sometimes for some people negative reinforcement is better but for a lot of people when they have their parents yelling at them it makes them shrink even more into their hole which is what you know you said happened to you and I think that it's not necessarily the parents fault that that happens because I think it's more the school's fault for not really helping instead of helping the student they go and call the parents rather than trying to work it out with the student because we're in high school. They're supposed to be preparing us to go to the adult world. And in the adult world, like if you're not performing at your job, then they're not going to call your parents. They're going to come and talk to you. So I think that, you know, you got to prepare, you got to, you know, work it out with the students. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, with that situation as well, You that was when coronavirus was starting to like actually become an issue. So there was so much just chaos right. in the entire world. So I can't, entirely blame blue valley for what happened then but i feel like it revealed a bigger issue to me where that schooling is not it doesn't tailor to the students it's a one-size-fit-all deal and if you don't fit into that uh, figurative shirt of school then you know it's not going to work out well for you and so i think much more progress could be made to start adapting to other students learning needs and you know their necessities to actually succeed in school like me because I can't always succeed in this specific environment where you have to do hours of homework every night like even after getting support for my ADHD it's just not always possible there's still a block there and it's not motivating me when I see, you know, like seven new assignments every three days, so.
0: And I think, yeah, I think that the main thing for me personally is, again, the fact that once you get behind it becomes just ridiculously difficult to get yourself back out of the hole because like, it just feels like for every step you take forward, there's just five more assignments that that you gotta do.
1: It snowballs fast.
0: Exactly, and you know if you're faced with like an impossible task, you're just going to give up, and it's just going to become it really will become impossible. Which I think I, I think that that falls definitely on the teachers to helping those students who are in the hole get out of it, whether by helping them do the homework or arranging some kind of meetings with them in class. Uh, do you have any type of solution that you would like to see?
1: Um really just communication improvements, especially this semester. I actually have, you know, I've been facing some like very similar issues as I was facing last year, um, where like I can't muster the motivation to do something on a certain day. And I've emailed more than a few of my teachers saying, um, I'm trying to set a goal for myself. I'd like your support. Um, And I think to help with that is to, one way to help with that is to destigmatize, like asking for help, and to also get rid of like the negative connotation of just mental illness in general,
0: honestly. And yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Got that part out. <laughs> um, I'll tell you that's staying in, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know you mentioned asking for help and I think that sometimes it's difficult especially to like someone like a teacher asking help to someone who is by definition an authoritative figure someone who who has like authority over you rather than someone who's you know like a friend who you can ask help for talk to about things that you need help with and I mean I've definitely um suffered from that a little bit where I I don't ask for help from from teachers when I probably should because I just don't have that type of connection with a teacher. It's like asking for help shows vulnerability and you don't want to show that to everybody. And, you know, that kind of, it kind of, it, will, it can definitely hamper a student, especially a student who is really introverted, doesn't want to really talk to people, you know, they can't get help unless they ask.
1: And yeah, I mean, I mean support for students Asking your teacher for support is like admitting a weakness. And, you know, there's still that stigma around that. So it's difficult to get around that in the first place. And also in that regard, you know, teachers and counselors, they are like over you in the hierarchy of school (laughs) and education. So um, when you are trying to seek support because of what you're lacking in mental health, um, it's difficult, as you said, to find like solace and somebody that you're not familiar with. You're not like necessarily friends with and right. with school counselors, it's like, as far as supporting students, and uh, mental health awareness and, you know, beneficial coping habits and personal matters. Um, I don't think that schools have properly, I guess, advertised that you know the school counselors are there for you because you know they like introduce themselves at the beginning of the year and they're not mean people like none of them particularly are have ever struck me as like that doesn't really seem like a nice person it's just how am i supposed to go how is anybody supposed to go with incredibly personal problems that are like harming their academic careers to somebody that they've met one time and they like barely know their name.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned academic career. And I think what a lot of people, what a lot of adults maybe don't realize is that it is a career. Like th- these these times in that you were spending in high school, they those, this is the decisions or the way that you learn now affects you the rest of your life because it affects where you go to college, which can affect what kind of job you're getting and it can also affect whether or not you go to college which is a big thing that you know that's happening now a lot of people maybe get so discouraged from school they don't even go to college when maybe they are a talented student which is a big shame because that all that means is that they just did not get the help they received and you know speaking of college standardized testing is is really the main way that colleges will measure the intelligence of a student other than GPA, you got GPA and you have standardized testing and standardized testing, although many colleges won't say it does sometimes take precedence over the GPA. Um. But the way that I feel like the way that the, the tests are structured doesn't necessarily it really only tests how much they you're studying for it, which maybe that is what they want to know, but I don't think that it accurately will reflect um, intelligence. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I have good scores in standardized tests, but um, I've exhibited, you know, good test scores since, like, literally going into school in in kindergarten. So I'm not really lucky, but I guess you could say, yeah, yeah, like, I'm lucky that I'm naturally good at test taking. But it's just not accurate to every other student in the country that maybe can't take tests well or, you know, is a diligent worker, like the opposite of my case, where they have a great GPA, but not necessarily like a good ACT score. So it's, it's proof that more adaptability needs to be had and there need to be more um measures that colleges take to review their students that want to get into their colleges
0: right and you mentioned having either one or the other the good test scores the good gpa and i think that for the example of having a good test score that could further lead students to not really pay attention to school because they're just studying so hard for this test that maybe they they don't do homework and they they don't really focus on school, they're focusing on the test. Because the test, the test is, is a completely separate entity from school, which I think is is something that you know you don't really think about. It's it's not even it's like a separate thing from the school you're learning or from the things you're learning in school. Especially if you're um especially if you're taking it as a junior, a lot of the things on the test are things that you learned as a freshman or as a sophomore, and especially. Especially the uh, the math is definitely things that you learned in the past, so you have to go and relearn it. So you got so it's like an extra studying on top of the stuff that you're doing for school. And when you're talking, a lot of the things that we learn about in the um, in the ELA portion of the test, the grammar, the grammatical stuff, a lot of it is not stuff that we cover in grammar classes, we or in uh, language classes. I feel like a lot of times in language classes, instead of studying the exact places where commas should go, like thir- like we do study those things, but it's very brief. It's like you do maybe one or two you know, pages every like two weeks or so, and then you check them in class. But the ACT, SAT, they go really in depth with this kind of thing. They're like, oh, does a comma go here or here? And to a normal student or to someone who speaks English, both of them seem right, but... This, but we, as a school, unless you take the ACT prep class, they don't really go in depth with that. And I think, I think that's a shame because they're testing things that, you know, you don't really learn in a normal education school, um, which I think then doesn't really help with measuring the um, intelligence of uh, students.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, how is, you know, for ACT scores, how is knowing and memorizing the quadratic formula and like trying to find you know similar angles and like geometric problems how is that going to help me or how could that possibly like be proof to colleges that well, I want to pursue a law degree like they're just not related so right.
0: and, and they just
1: really un- overwhelm students
0: exactly and it's just the, the fact that the test is so much about memorization is I think is a testament to how, how badly they're doing at testing intelligence, because I don't know, the fact that you, the fact that you can study for the test in a standardized testing, rather than studying for intelligence to then use on the test is, I think, is, I think a little bit wrong. Um, yeah, that's true. I think. So we touched on it a little bit, a little bit on mental health and, um, health support in our school system. And I think, you know, a little bit more about this than me, because, um, for me personally, I have not had many struggles with mental health, but you mentioned before you've had some struggles. So do you think that our, our schools have sufficient aid for people who are struggling with this kind of thing? No. (laughs) Short and sweet. Um, I have heard, I haven't heard, I've pretty much heard the same answer from you know, everyone I've talked to about it, the answer is, is no. Um, what, what has been your experience with suffering with mental health in the, in our district?
1: Um, well, to be honest, I haven't really sought a whole lot of support, like from the school counselors, um, themselves, since I've like began these mental health issues, it's sort of just been like when it really started developing in freshman year, it was really just like bottled up inside. Um, But, you know, the support that schools give for mental health, it's not enough. And there's plenty of proof of that because um, there was a study done by the CDC in 2019 that 20, nearly 20% of students have seriously considered suicide. Like one fifth of high school students have seriously considered suicide. And that's terrible. It's awful. So the fact that a stat like that even exists is proof that more development needs to be had. I don't have stats for um, like suicidal ideation in Blue Valley specifically, but just in general, It's not enough. Like, it's not enough support. And it's a difficult topic that I don't necessarily have all the answers to for how we could improve that. But I think more community awareness of mental health and of just mental health and, you know, ways to improve it and communication with those administrators and your teachers. Uh, it just needs to be normalized because right now it's not.
0: And one thing, you know, you mentioned that they're not doing a good job of advertising. I think that for me personally, when I, when you, when you think of the counselors in our school, you don't think of them as people who can help you when you're struggling. You think of them as people who change around your classes or if you the schedule conference. Yeah. You go to that, you go and talk to them about that. And I think that our school does have a designated therapist. But I only know that because I'm in um, the broadcasting class in our school called Tiger TV, and I happen to see it somewhere on someone's story, I think. And if I had not seen it, then I probably would not have known that that existed. And if that person had never done a story about it, then a lot of people probably would not have known that that person existed. I don't even know exactly if they do exist or not. I'm just. I'm, it's like a it's like a vague memory that i have which yeah is, that's, it's a testament to how bad they're doing at, at advertising this kind of thing
1: that's news to me i've literally never heard of a, <laughs> of a therapist at school. yeah I,
0: i'm pretty sure that's true and the fact that i'm not even sure that that's true is is terrible yeah. and <laughs> and you know the counselors the counselors don't have training in psychology in student psychology teenager psychology i don't think
1: that'd be surprising Do you think so? I don't know because probably, but it's just you know, I feel like it'd be a stretch to call them counselors if they can't counsel at all. But right. I'm not necessarily doubting their skill because I've never gone to their office to talk about like my personal status. But yeah, I mean, there just needs to be more there to let students know that like there are specialized people who can help you. And right now there isn't
0: right and I think that the counselors one problem that I think that the counselors might have is the fact that each one of them has to has to carry so many students. Um, you know, because it, it you, they each take a portion of the alphabet and I feel like maybe if we had more counselors. Then they then if more students would go and talk to them, then they could be on top of it, because it feels like right now if let's say you know a ton of students go and talk to the counselors then each one wouldn't be able to really maybe give the greatest help, not because they're not skilled, but because they'd be having to talk to so many students at the same time, which is where I might think that if we do have a therapist, then we need to advertise that because that is no offense to the counselors, but that is more useful than the counselors could be having a designated therapist. And the school school talks a lot about, uh, especially in middle school, talking about substance abuse and you know staying away from substances like alcohol and um, alcohol and drugs but this the the mental health you know the the mental health of the students caused by the way that the school is run will lead to students u- uh, so using substances that the schools have been you know advertising yeah. against.
1: Like, that's them finding an escape. And um, I don't necessarily relate to that, but I 100% totally understand it because, you know, we've talked about these studies that like associate the relationship between academic prowess and mental well being. Um, if you aren't doing well in school, then you're not going you were like statistically not going to be happy. So when you aren't happy and the school isn't like offering support and then you're going to turn to other things and then sometimes that turns into substance abuse. So,
0: right. And the student, you know, we've had many seminars about not using drugs, but it seems, it seems kind of, it seems like they're, they're taking the this, this step of talking about not using drugs just for the look of it, because they are a, A huge cause of why students will end up using substances, I wouldn't necessarily say they are the main cause, but they are definitely a cause of that, and it is the cause that they can most easily control as well is themselves and the way that they they teach. That's a great point. Um, So I, I find that, I find that pretty interesting. And, um, however, I will say, you know, we've been talking about, you know, not using, um, Not using counseling and stuff. But according to the Chicago Tribune, schools have been doing better since. So in 2010, 35% of students uh, in Chicago um, were participating in group counseling. And now it has risen 75%. However, you know, that's that's one, that's in a small sample size. And two, that whatever they're doing now, like even though it is improving, I don't think it's improving at a high enough rate because it feels like it feels like there's there has to be some kind of, unfortunately, at the moment, it feels like there has to be some kind of really big kind of student event like terrible event to happen to get them to radically change the way they do it. And that's never good. You never want to wait for that kind of thing to happen, like a mass, you know, like a shooting, like that kind of thing or uh like a like a, a lot of students in a certain in a short period of time committing suicide to to have to change and to have to change the way the student, that the school does things and you know you never want that to happen and I feel like I feel like that that's unfortunately that feels like the only thing that will change that can like quickly change the way that schools are doing things um, which is pretty unfortunate because it, it just feels like there's so everyone in the hierarchy just feels so it just they feel so it feels like they're so stubborn to changing they, they say that they're changing they say that they're changing they say, but it, it all just seems so superficial um yeah. being a student um like like as an example again like the way that they talk about um, anti-drugs but then they are a cause of the substance abuse so <laughs> yeah I, I just find that so you know it just feels like they're just going only halfway
1: it's just entertaining it's like how you should be investigating the causes and worry about the effects when it actually happens.
0: Exactly. Well, unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. I once again want to thank Mr. Scotland Browner for for joining me on the podcast.
1: Absolutely, thank you, Arnov. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and I'll see you guys next time.